This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Um, and earlier on, I've said, you know, obviously we'll be joined by Eric Stillerman, who gracefully uh, um, arrived. Uh, Eric, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, perhaps maybe before, you know, um, it, I think it just might be useful for, for us to literally piggyback on one of the issues that Billy raised, which I think is quite quite important, um, is the the the... the High impact, he mentioned the high impact activities that ought to be delivered within the next 12 months. And, and his utterance follows very closely to some of the labor movements. I mean, you know, um, Zulim Vavi earlier on, he said, President Salama Post does not have the luxury of finding, there's no fact, you know, there's no fact finding mission. You know, he, there are certain things that ought to be done like yesterday. So from where you're sitting, what would those activities be so that there's a restoration I mean five years is not enough time you know for anybody to try and find his feet so so there has to be a clearly cut directive or clear cut program which he will implement as soon as he's sewn in you know maybe let's start with Unati good evening to the listeners I was hoping you wouldn't start with me (laughs) (laughs) um I think the president really has been in government since 2014. Um, He's been the deputy president of the ruling party since 2012. If he doesn't know now what are the key fundamental shifts that must happen for us as a country to go into the right trajectory, then, then we're in deep trouble. I don't think there's something new that must happen. Um, really, um, I, I, I really think that I, for me, I'm not, I'm not convinced about finding a few people who are linked to former President Jacob of Zuma, prosecute them, bring them to the book and, and, and send them to jail as a genuine effort to steer the country in the right direction. Because what that would do immediately, if that's the only thing that's done, is it's going to create problems for him within his own party. And, and, and I think that will create problems in, 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 in the legitimacy of the president, certainly in his own party. I think what we need really from him is a vision. We need a president that's going to say, you know, we are a country that comes from hundreds of years of underdevelopment, discrimination, prejudice, um, exclusion, and all kinds of things. Then here's the vision. And this vision, all of us, it doesn't matter where you sit in this country, we must wake up every day and make an effort to make this vision a reality. That's what we need from him. It might be and probably will not realize in his time as a president. But what we need is somebody who's going to set us in the right tra- trajectory from a, from a visionary perspective. Um, and if that vision includes arresting people, then that's fine. But that's not the issue. The issue is not to find people to arrest and, and blame and, and, and all kinds of things. Um, and, 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 and that for me is, is far more important than, than that. We need a vision. We need somebody who's going to say, 
there's a South Africa that has to look like this. And as a president, the key foundations to that vision are one, two, three, and I'm going to work on these foundations. And in the next 12 months, I want something happening in these foundations. Then you've set the country on a different trajectory. Because what what is upsetting with African countries is when we go take five steps forward and take seven steps backwards. I think that has been far more devastating than um, finding a few people that have done wrong and, and reduce all our problems to those people. So you are saying what's more critical um, from where you're sitting is that is the president that is able to marshal everyone else under one vision. You know, but we do have that. Unless the NDP is not considered as a plan, um, which comes from the same party, by the way, of which has been part of, I would imagine there's a need to consolidate NDP because it has been thoroughly debated, you know, and all the political parties have agreed in principle that, um, you know, strategic levers of activating the economy are well demonstrated within the NDP, you know. So perhaps maybe there might be a modification here and there, particularly in the space of education, now that we are looking into the 21st century, you know, looking at the, 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 the employment opportunities that speaks to the requirements of a 21st century and so on and so forth. But there's already a plan, you know. And, and I don't know what, what, what um, Eric might, might say, because it's quite important what you've just said, a vision. You know, because when, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So is there consensus among the social partners that indeed we have a vision? Uh, thanks, Narod. Uh, thanks, Anati, um, and Justice, and listeners. Um, I think there is a vision in the, in the National Development Program, uh, and Cyril announced the new dawn at his State of the Nation last year. I think it's quite clear what he wants to achieve. He's had an investment summit. He's had a job summit. There are growth strategies um, that that he would like to implement. Um, there are a number of key strategies that, that he has already uh, announced, which could very well build consensus for the country, which I think is what you're talking about. How do you get the country moving in that direction. So I think what he's demonstrating right now is priority number one is getting the right people into government and being a man of action. And I think he's got a track record over all the years since he started and ran the National Union of Mine Workers in mobilizing people and building consensus. He's a an, an absolute uh, arch uh, uh, strategist and negotiator in getting people moving. So I think that skill, he's got to marshal people, the right people uh, for action. And I think I'm very excited uh, and heartened by what we saw as the first move today being the appointment, or was it yesterday, the appointment of um, the seven premiers, seven of the eight premiers. From what I can gather, <coughs> there is... Some first of all, there new a couple of new people. There are three new people. I don't know all the names. I've got them. They were in. Uh, they were listed in in the press today. Um, there is a trade-off between the Zuma Aismachashula faction and Cyril's faction. However, there's a clearing out of certain of the dead wood, 
and the people who've been tainted by corruption. So even in the case of people who might have been aligned, uh, say with Asma Khashula in, uh, in Free State, the new Free State Premier designate, who was aligned with Ace, but doesn't have a record of corruption, has got, he's got to look at people who've got a proven track record of competency in management, in leadership, in, in delivery. Um, the, the Premier of uh, uh, Eastern Cape is Cyril Aland. I think you'll find some people like David Makura in, in Gauteng, I think he's, as far as I understand, he's his own man, a competent guy who's committed to delivering on the national vision articulated in the National Development Plan. So, yeah, in terms of uh, the business community growth, uh, stimulating growth and investment and job creation, I think um, he's got to, uh, right now, uh, the biggest priority as far as delivering a 100 billion uh, rands worth of, of investment, or a trillion rands, in fact, a 100 billion over the next five, ten years, um, is to generate confidence and policy, policy certainty. We've spoken about it several times on this program. And I think the measures that he's putting in place by showing bold leadership are confidence building. The business community has already given him, if you read the business press, business day, financial mail, giving him that space to get moving and the business community will get behind him and will get moving with, with, with investment, which will stimulate growth. Finally, I would say that, you know, I don't agree that the government is not a job creator. I think if you look at the, first of all, the employment statistics out of the, one, one of the biggest employers is government itself and the state-owned companies are big major employers of uh, somewhere around a million and a half people who in, together invest their pension funds in the public investment corporation, which represents the biggest financial institution in this country, somewhere near two trillion rand which in turn invests in in businesses on the stock exchange and off the stock exchange and funds by the way the government deficit so and on the gdp basis government itself is over 30 percent of the gdp so government in itself is a player it's not only a referee and an environment creator so government's activities need to be run properly from the national departments like education and health to the provinces and the municipalities. We've got to see good management, good delivery. When government does that, you really, and the foster we do it, and Cyril, I think, is the man to, you know, one of the few people who can actually do it in this country. Thanks, Namor. Thanks, thanks, Eric, for for that very uh, important insight. Look, I agree with you that, um, you know, Cyril is probably in a position to... Um, you know, clean the public sector, as it were. Mm-hmm. But, but I contend that you know the, the current narrative um, is really denying us an opportunity to really dig deep because the private sector, in as far as inclusive growth, for an example, mm. has not really played its part. And for the economy to grow at the point where everybody, you know, is benefiting from. It cannot be government. Yes, let's take corruption. Let's take mal, let's take maladministration. Let's get competent people be appointed based on merit. I, I get that. 
But but the biggest the biggest shortcoming that I'm foreseeing is one-sided um, interrogation of what is happening in a public space. Um, the, part of the assessment moving forward is to get the private sector own up. At some point, we've had during the big era, for an example, um, the economy grew up to six seven percent, and but it failed to trickle down purely because there was never an appreciation of growth um, of of inclusive growth. So surely, from that point of view, there's got to be certain strategic levers that needs to be evoked in the private sector. I just want to break justice here in terms of his thought, because public confidence is not only brought in by policy certainty uh, in as far as the public arena is concerned. There's got to be a, a mutual appreciation of the role of, of the private sector, you know, on, on very basic issues. Justice, what's your take on that? Um, good evening to you, Doc, and uh, to your listeners and their fellow colleagues here. In, in fact, maybe to start with, I do agree that, um, which is why I, I really do appreciate the approach that he has to facilitate the so-called social compact, which is uh, what the summits were apparently supposed to do, the investment summit, the job summit last year, and so on. So that in itself is, is a move towards ensuring that... Um, the social partners come to the party. And, and indeed, I think if uh, one is to assess at least the last three months or so, business, you know, um, uh, labor and so on, you're beginning to see a posture towards uh, coming closer to government, to the state. So, so there's encouragement there. But maybe to, to, to enter into the debate that you posed, um, I would say that, look, uh, from where I'm sitting, uh, the president operates within a framework, a certain framework. And that framework at this point and at this juncture does not lack a plan or a strategy or a vision. A vision because um, that's already set. If you look at the framework in which he operates, there's three frameworks at the moment. There's the state of the nation address which uh, determines what he does in the ne uh, in the next year and then the medium term uh, statements and now with the post voting he now has a mandate to implement uh, the ANC manifesto right and if you were to analyze therefore then what are the because as a president you then uh, as a leader are able to take a certain posture from your manifesto on certain critical items. And he's chosen about four uh, that he's going to drive. And he's taken uh, out of it, he's taken the to continue with stemming the corruption tide, which in it, it details the, the continuation on, of cleaning up the justice cluster and ensuring that they recapacitate that in terms of ensuring that um, um, all of the things that were done to debilitate those uh, that sector is is restored, so that at least they can operate independently, so that um, they are empowered to begin to act. For instance, already we're beginning to see them taking 
some of the outputs out of the out of the commissions even before the commissions are, are, have expired you already saw i mean today you saw the the mayor uh, of of Devon being charged you've seen uh, recently also very very key individuals appearing before the system so so there is movement there then in one of the other ones is inclusive growth because the issue is that we've had an economy that even when it was growing at its highest left certain people outside of it because it grew mostly on a macro level and and as a result in the manifesto they are agreeing and putting through the issue of making sure that we cannot continue to have an economy, an economy that grows and only benefits a certain sector and not others. So inclusive growth means that we begin to radically institute, reinstitute, for instance, there's a lot of talk now to resuscitate some of the industrial, the dead industrial uh, parks in the rural, in the, in the next to the townships, if you remember Newcastle, Quarko and all of that, all of those things to resuscitate and stimulate what is going on. Then you have, I mean, we talk today, uh, the jobs uh, creation process. We talk today with the new announcement that between December and now, um, and, 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 and March, the jobs, the jobs shared by South Africa, it's just over 300 between mining and the 300 banking. 300,000. What in the last quarter? In the last quarter. Wow. Today it was announced that 0.25 was an increase which represents 300,000 jobs, most of which were out of mining. The banking sector alone shared 94,000 jobs in the last four months. So, so meaning that whether you like it or not as a president, that becomes your top priority to say how do we ensure that we have an economy that grows to a certain level where really we begin to grow these jobs back by using other sectors, especially because certain sectors are shedding jobs. Lastly, uh, to finish my point, is, 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 is to ensure that the SOEs, we have over 131 SOEs. Let's not forget that many of these 131 SOEs are functioning quite well, other than the seven notorious ones, right? Um, which represents... <laughs> which represents close to 5% of the 131. So we have the usual suspects, uh, which were targeted, uh, you know, even by the state capture approach, isn't it? There were seven key ones. So that is to stem that tide to ensure that you recapacitate, uh, mainly by focusing on growing their balance sheets so that they can be less of a burden to the state. Okay, I'll... Okay. Justice, I hear you. You know, maybe on your last point, mm. um, you know, perhaps maybe Unatu will come through here. Um, I, I don't, I don't, um, believe that the, the efficiencies in 131 SOEs, despite the fact that you've got the seven, uh, in noted, um, you know, um, uh, notorious, notorious ones, as, as, as you put it out. Uh, maybe let's take a break. We'll come back. Yeah. When you come back, I want us to really go through the 131 because all of them, you know, with with with, with an exception of a very few, uh, don't come back to the state with cap in hand. The majority of them are actually, even though um, you know, 
uh, Eric at some point argued strongly that they are contributing towards employment, but but what at what cost? Perhaps maybe there's something that we need to yes, to, uh, to talk about after the break. I've actually got to listen. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. Come back, it is now 15 to 7 o'clock. It's amazing how time flies when you're really having fun. In studio, I'm joined by Eric Stillerman, who is a regular voice to the show, and of course, Anati and Justice Indaba. And, and, and we're really, you know, unpacking the, the implications of the, you know, post-election in the, in, 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 for the sixth administration. One of the issues that we raised before we went to the break was the, you know, the, the, the role of um, state-owned enterprises uh, uh, and, and the extent to which they are either contributing or really becoming a liability to the state. And I contend that majority of them don't necessarily pay, provide value. And, of course, you understand the political rationale behind establishment of these kind of entities. Um, I bet you know. I bet you differ with justice earlier on that majority of them don't really make a, a, a huge contribution other than just providing jobs, um, you know, for few, in the, in the greater scheme of things. Justice, my best maybe still pondering of of that response, and Onato was quite burning earlier on that, and and you know the the central thrust of our debate should also be located in the in in the the division. Uh, which perhaps may be tied up with um, the broader issues that we're talking about tonight. I am I'm concerned because, you know, one of the challenges we have as South Africans is to gloss over problems. Is to what? To gloss over problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my view, how many South Africans know that there's something called an NDP? How many of them know what it means By the way, the NDP was approved by cabinet in 2012. That was seven years ago. The latest report I, ha- I, I saw in government was there is no deliberate effort to implement what is in the NDP within government. Well, you know, the previous administration, we're trying to sabotage it. They weren't trying to implement it. <laughs> so so, so the, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's still the responsibility of the President of the Republic to governize us against a common vision. Whether that's already written in the NDP or not, for me that's neither here nor there. But we need to do that because our resources are limited and our ability to marshal those resources towards a one common vision is one of the key things we must be able to achieve to come out of the rot. And, and I mean, I'm always, I'm always uh, fascinated by the view that if you deal with the people that are associated with former president Jacob Zuma, then you've dealt with corruption. I'm always fascinated by that. There are many other fa- problems with corruption far beyond. Mm. You would even come to a conclusion if you were a foreigner who lived in Iceland somewhere, you would be you'd even come to a conclusion that Jacob Zuma is actually an invent of corruption. <laughs> He's the one who came up with the idea. But the truth of the matter is, corruption existed before there was Jacob Zuma. And what did we do with it? So, to reduce everything to one Jacob Zuma and corruption and those that are linked with him, I think is a dangerous thing to do. I have my own personal experiences of people that are Perceived to be against Jacob Zuma, who, in my view, are involved in corruption, 
And that, in my view, creates a problem for the president. Because if you deal with the people that are linked with Jacob Zuma who are corrupt, what about the ones that are linked with him that are corrupt? Well, it's a very important issue because ultimately we need to address this issue from a principal point mm. of view. Not something about which sure. fraction is Absolutely. dominating, which yeah. fraction is prevailing at the end of the day. Mm. But perhaps maybe we need to park that and get to the next mm. item. Because in any case, we do agree. I think no one mentioned that the issue of corruption is really as it links to the previous president. It's merely that the extent of which that we had to deal at least in the last few years with the um, institutions that had been collapsed. Whether or not we know that corruption uh, happened even from the private, because there's a corruptor, there's a corruptee. Many of the participants of corruptions are private people because they are the ones that private uh, companies themselves. So, so that's besides the point, because we do agree with that. Yeah. Simply, we're talking about institutions that we have investigated currently, and what because we cannot um, inevitably uh, leave this unended. We have to close the commissions, we have to act on the outcomes, and that's what we are doing. Sorry, Nimrod. By the way, the president didn't start these commissions. Yes. Some of them like the Zondo Commission, was a result of an investigation by public protection. Exactly. So to now credit all these investigations and these commissions to the president, I think is really untrue. Mm. So we must, I think we must be factual in, the, in, 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 in these things. I don't think the president, in my view, had an option but to start a commission. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Maybe, maybe the, the one, one critical issue is as we perhaps maybe, you know, look at the other critical element. Mm. Uh, of reviving the economy um, because we've dealt with others. I think yeah. the issue of uh, SMMEs, which in my view demands and warrants substantive and substantial uh, unpacking as a strategic lever to get us elsewhere, um, needs, to be, needs to be done like yesterday. Yes. Let, let me give you a quick one, if I may, uh, Nimrod. Uh, thanks. <coughs> I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's a medium business size to small business person in this town. I won't mention his name. He phoned me last night. We had an hour-long conversation on the outcome of the election, and he said to me, um, if I had a million dollars to invest right now in the outcome of the election, what would I do with it? And he put, really put me in the line. And, and I'll tell you my answer in a minute. But what, what I think he was looking for, these employees 20, 30 people. You're talking SMMEs as a big employer in, in this economy. Those are the kind of c- companies you're talking about. Often we confuse that with startups that might be micro enterprises employing maybe one or two people who also count. So amongst the biggest things my friend is looking for, is confidence. He was looking for a sign. There's an opportunity that he's got and his partners that was put to him to invest a million dollars. And should he go for it? My own take is confidence. In other words, I said to him, you know, I would put my money, whatever money I've got is invested. It's invested in this stock exchange. The stock exchange dipped the, the last three days because of the Chinese-American trade war 
and Donald Trump's tweets, okay? <laughs> Not because of the outcome of the election. The outcome of the election is a confidence booster. So amongst the things that the president and his cabinet can do is to generate and to deliver on the confidence for businesses to want to invest and not take their money out the country. And that's small businesses and big uh, businesses. They don't always need a nappy, you know, and a dummy. People think they need to be helped along. If they really need to be helped along and fed and and spoon-fed, then they're not really sustainable businesses. I'll give you an illustration. You can (coughs) give me the the $1 million. I'm involved in in, in clothing, okay? Um, In clothing, um, for the past eight or nine years, uh, we've we've been mainly merchandising. And the natural uh, 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 next step for us has been to try and start uh, and manufacture these T-shirts from here in South Africa. And if we do, with the size of factories that we're trying to establish, we could easily have 90 people as a starting point, sure. right? We, For the past 11 months, we've been toing and froing between DTI and uh, CIFA and uh, CEDA and all of these people. And, and already we had secured premises of the abandoned factory in Newcastle, right? Those are the realities that we... I mean, we could easily... And we can... What we had thought, that if we open that one in in, in Newcastle, we could go to Hammanskral, which was also for logistical reasons, was another area we could have. We could have 180 people. Just within, but... I'm glad you raised that. We struggled to, 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 to say... I mean, there's so much things that we are asked to, to fill in, and then you, you sit for four months with no responses from some of these entities. What were you applying for as a matter of interest? Well, uh, startups, well, there's, there's certain, uh, there's finance portions. Yeah. There's also regulations in terms of uh, 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 factory laws. And uh-huh. the other things that we experience is that you don't have one-stop shops. In other words, you don't go to one authority. You have, we have almost four authorities who must all approve us, and you have two other authorities that approve you and one that just says no. All right? Okay. Maybe. Those are the practicalities yeah. we're dealing with. I think that's why you need a vision. Mm. Because everything else that stands in that vision mm. must be eradicated. By the way, my, the point I wanted to make, Nimrod, is, you see, I experience certainly as a professional, and having a small enterprise. They're the most difficult businesses to run because you need to be everything. You're the mm. HR manager, sure. you're the finance manager. You so they need a lot more hard work. So on the one side, then, you have this desperation of employment and some form of income that people have. But on the other side, you have this festering of a culture of a lack of dignity and a lot of hard work where people can have grants. If they have a child, they can have a grant. That culture does not fit very well or fit very well with the culture of SMMEs. SMMEs require a culture of hard work. They require people who are willing to sacrifice, Mm. people who are not looking for instant gratification. But that's the opposite of the culture that we have in this country where people don't want to work 
and they expect returns that are exponentially growing every year without putting in effort. Our people are losing dignity every day by getting grants because they don't understand that you need to work for something to get it. So we have a problem that we expect the part of the economy that must employ, yet we don't create the culture for that part of the economy to be able to be successful. And that's the challenge that we face in this country. I, I, for me, I don't see SMMEs, certainly in the scale that we want them to succeed, succeeding in this country. The most SMEs that are going to survive are the ones that are, have a lot of people that do a lot of hard work or the ones that have connections. And we can't build an economy around connections. People who are competent in doing something must believe that they have a chance to get a pie or a slice of the economy without them having to do something untowards. If we don't create that culture, unfortunately, I don't see these SMMEs becoming that. And I still say that boils down to our leader showing a certain direction and a certain willingness to do certain things to bring us together. Perhaps maybe uh, uh, to amplify issues that have been brought by, well, not as well as justice, and to some point, um, you know, Eric here, is the fact that South Africa, you know, uh, in the top, posi- in, 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 in the world, uh, is ranked out of 190 countries in as far as uh, the ease of doing business. Mm-hmm. 190 countries, we are ranked say, say, um, 82. <coughs> that, that statistically, that, that shows you that we are completely on the far end. And, and for anyone who is quite serious about job creation, we need to attend to the red tape because it's quite stifling. So that is an administrative uh, component that we need to attend to. But the other component that we need to attend to is the almost like sequencing of uh, support structures. For an example, there are entities that have worthwhile businesses that require support from state institutions. But because we don't have a clear picture or one-stop shop, as you've put it, that he who has a worthwhile business, you go to this particular entity, everything is sorted. So, so, so I think uh, the president... You know, ought to spend substantial time in addressing the SMMEs if you really want to create dent. But personally, the last point around the culture of entitlement, um, you know, are we sitting with our 17 million uh, grant beneficiaries? 17, yeah. You know, and the numbers grow year in, year out. So there's got to be a, 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 a extensive education for those beneficiaries, or perhaps maybe link grant to some effort, mm. you know. Sure. But the question is, I mean, we know the nature of politics. Those are the very same people that voted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so those are the very same people that voted. You take away the 17 million, you're taking away 17 million votes. So, so it, it's almost like you know, a, a, it has to be one of those hard, you know, hard pill to swallow, because unless you are going to develop, you know, um, nuts and bolts around making hard decisions, that's where you start. Because, and you're quite correct um, that, that, that people have lost, you know, dignity. But the system allows people to lose dignity. 
Nimrod, if, if I may, just as a last minute, uh, you know, I think there are multiple agendas here in, in this country. The, the, the 17 million grant beneficiaries, that was around reducing poverty and taking care of people mm. who don't have food, who've got children, uh, single uh, parents, uh, 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 families that are, you know, in the rural areas that don't have an opportunity for employment. Simultaneously, Okay, and, and in fact, those 17 million people at an average perhaps of three people a family, two or three people a family, cover maybe half this population, a population of about 60 million people. So simultaneously with that, you've got initiatives which need to be delivered on about supporting entrepreneurship and small business. I personally believe that the school system is the ideal place to get and to change the culture. You reach over 10 million children every single day through a, 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 a subject like life orientation. Perfect uh, opportunity to breed entrepreneurship. Thanks, Nimrod. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Five seconds, literally. Five second justice, if you're ready. You can go first. Um, look, at the end of the day, um, the the future and something that we must really focus on at this point is inclusive growth of mm. the economy and making sure that the economy grows at the levels that we can sustain and be able to include uh, and create jobs. Thank you. Bonati? Yeah, I, I also would like to see the president really go to the things that have a great impact on people's lives and change people's lives. Uh, there are people who fourth fifth generation of poverty and 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 it's really unacceptable okay all systems go watch this space exciting times in south africa thank never you. mind thank you very yeah. much i like your sense of optimism uh, uh, eric you. i'm equally optimistic uh, it has been an absolute pleasure having you once again uh um, until we meet again uh, have a good one <laughs>